Hello, innovators. This is Adrian, your host at the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast. As we approach the end of this transformative year, I want to take a moment to wish each and every one of you a joyous holiday season filled with warmth, laughter, and cherished moments with your loved ones. The holiday spirit has a unique way of inspiring creativity and sparking the innovative flame within us. And speaking of inspiration, I've got something special for you today. We're revisiting an archival episode that's packed with insights and ideas to fuel your innovative spirit as we gear up for the new year. In the fast-paced world of healthcare innovation, it's crucial for organizations to reflect on their journey and strategize for the future. This episode is like a time capsule of wisdom, a reminder of incredible conversations we've had on this podcast that have left us with valuable takeaways. So whether you're cozying up by the fire, taking a break from the holiday hustle, or perhaps contemplating your organization's direction for the upcoming year, I invite you to join me in revisiting this episode. Let it be the catalyst for fresh perspectives, new ideas, and a renewed commitment to innovation. So without further ado, let's dive back into this interview with the Chispas about how they would set up a clinic of their dreams and rekindle that innovative spirit together. Get ready for some good grist for your mill. Let's not get into Best Actress Awards. This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. This is Adrian. I'm the host of the Coleman Associates podcast, the podcast that brings innovations in healthcare to your podcasting app. And today I have a very exciting and special episode. We have a full house in our virtual studio today because I have with me Harpreet Sangara, Amanda Laramie, and Gabriel Del Muro. And today we're going to be talking about our ideas for the future of healthcare and what a great clinic would look like, especially in the future. So um, if we can just start off, I just want to hear from you all who you are in case any of our listeners haven't met you. So if you just want to do a short intro. My name is Harpreet Singer. I'm one of the coaches and trainers for Coleman Associates. I also star in all the Vroom videos. So if you haven't checked out <laughs> online learning platform, it's uh, Vroom.training. Um, I would highly recommend you go check them out. And I work with this team. I enjoy working with this team and I've been with this team for a while now. I think like seven years. Seven years, like full-time, but you were doing work right. with us for like 10 years. Part-time. Yep. Totally. So that's me. Um, well, I, can I just follow up on her, Gabe? Because yeah. um, I'm also the co-star of the room training videos <laughs> as the front desk um, receptionist in the room videos. But um, anyway, let's not get into best actress awards on this platform, but uh, my name is Amanda Laramie. <laughs> I've been working with Coleman Associates for 10 years um, as a coach and trainer. I became the COO recently. And yeah, I'm excited to be here with this team today. Uh, my name is Gabriel Delmiro. I did not star in the room trainings, <laughs> but my name is on, on that uh, platform. I was a patient. So if you see my name, you probably recognize me from there. But I'm also a trainer and coach. Um, along with her preed and the rest of the folks here, super excited to be here and really just to to talk about, you know, the innovations of healthcare and what we've seen and, you know, how we see it um, in the future. So I'm excited to, to be in, in this podcast. 
Well, and I just have to say that prior to like professionally recording our Vroom videos, Gabe was in the mm-hmm. first one we did with a script because you were working at your health center at the time yes. and you played, did you play an MA in that video? I think so. I remember wearing the I red think- hoodie. Yeah. And like, yep, I remember you that. played Harpreet's role. So yeah. I don't know, kind of sets the stage. Yeah, you could her. really say that Gabe I, was I gave the muse. I gave sure. the blueprint to Harpreet and she just excelled <laughs> on it. <laughs> or I just have to show the world how it's really done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or that. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So every time that we have a new team, we always tell them, and it even says this in our like first team work session cue card to like get in a space that helps you to think well. So if you like, I just want to like shake it out for a second. And then what I want to mm-hmm. hear from you is what is your space or activity or whatever that makes you think your best? Mine is walking my mm-hmm. pup, walking mm-hmm. Opie. Mm-hmm. Or even like when I'm on a call, I walk the hallway up and down in the house when it's hundred mm-hmm. plus degrees outside. For me, I would say it's like, I need to be in a quiet space like to build my own, you know, like ideas and kind of think about, but I also like being in a group setting because I like building off of people's ideas. Like I'm good at, you know, building off of someone or if I hear it, it's like, oh yeah, let's take that to the next level by, you know? So I think that's my own like take, you know, just having some quiet time by myself and then coming back and hearing people out. I was going to say walk as well. Like I agree with her pre. The other one is like at 3 a.m. when I'm awake and can't fall asleep. I hate it. But I do get good ideas there. I mean, yeah. also has a one-year-old home, so she's <laughs> actually she, when she did start sleeping through the night, I feel like my creativity waned. Like when she started sleeping through the night, I'm like, oh, I f- didn't think about that. I didn't think about that because I stopped waking up. <laughs> so yeah, mixed blessing, you know. It's <laughs> fair. I think for me, my top, I'm going to go with my top three. Number one is around the pool, which we don't get to do very often, but I think of really good ideas when we're around Mm -hmm. the pool. Mm -hmm. Number two is on my couch with a, like a cup of green tea. And then number three is walking. Yeah. Nice. Walking helps. I should have said number four is in the shower. I always come up. I almost said the shower too. I I didn't want to say that. I have to keep my my phone in the bathroom because I have like a little idea, a list that's just like random ideas. What about a a whiteboard in the bathroom? I think Doug's done with all my whiteboards. Okay. Okay. He's like, this is not decoration. Here's what I want to go next. So we're talking about kind of like our ideal or best clinic. You're a LS1 team. What departments would your ideal clinic have? First, I want to say this, Ryan, our, our, from our team, who works with us occasionally. I, something he said has always stuck with me, which is like eliminating the waiting room. So like mm-hmm. you're asking what departments they have, and I automatically think about what I would eliminate. A lobby or a waiting room is definitely an area I would eliminate. Right. One thing that I would say is not labeling them or classifying them as the department, like front desk, MAs, providers, things like that, right? Like front back. Because uh, I think that's also like, you, you start to embrace the silos a little bit um, mm-hmm. because you start like, oh, well, that's the front desk responsibilities compared to, you know, everyone's responsibility. So, you know, when you, when you think about that, I think that, you know, it, if, if you start kind of mashing everyone together, bringing everyone together, just you're, you are the patient care team, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, what your role is and not having a department. I think that also, you know, just boosts us morale because we're all at the same level, um, regardless of, you know, your position or your title, you know, at that point, 
because you, you're just in, in the patient care team uh, model at that point. And I think that I probably would have someone who's the front of the house, almost more of like a restaurant environment where it's like a front of the house and then like a back of the house, but they're all on the same team. And, and maybe they wouldn't have those department labels. I completely agree with Gabe, like, you know, to, cause then it would further silo them. But I do like the idea of hiring someone. It would be, it has like awesome, awesome, innate customer service skills. Who's like friendly and smiling and deals well with like complaints and all this stuff. And then, you know, maybe they would be at the front more, but yeah, maybe they'd also be cross-trained to like bring a patient back and take a blood pressure and like get them registered in an exam room. Like they wouldn't sit there all the time, but I do think that they would be the front of the house all the time. Like pick someone in that role. Who's really good at that. And you think about like a hostess in a restaurant, like they mm-hmm. go and they seat you, they bring you your menu, they mm-hmm. come and check on you. If somebody hasn't come to check on you in a minute, like all those, like they know how to get drinks and stuff. What do you want an ideal clinic to look like? One thing that I, and I could go first, things that I would say, and it's just coming from a community where my mom was a single mom, things like that, um, not speaking English herself, and then using us as translator is for the people that work there, right? Like to be understanding and really understand where you're coming from. Because I think that part of, of healthcare and even now um, some providers or just anywhere, really, sometimes they don't understand from the patient perspective or where the patient's coming from. They want to get the patient from point A to point B, um, but they don't know what the barriers are between that, you know, point A and point B. So just having some like the, the staff there, that's really understanding and connect to the patients. I think that's part of, of like the ideal healthcare system, um, not just the clinic, but, you know, the system is itself, just the understanding of what the patient mm-hmm. is going through um, to really identify, like, how can we help this patient just comparing to say, hey, well, I need you to get here with your diabetes, right? Like, but sometimes you can't afford the organic food or the, the nutritional food compared to just a $5 or a dollar cheeseburger at McDonald's, things mm-hmm. like that. I thought you were going to say daycare, which is one of the things on my list that I'd love to see. Oh, that, that'd be another mm-hmm. one. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, if you see part of it, I mean, just working at, as a clinic manager, some of the staff sometimes would have to call off because of healthcare issues. Right. Um, and if, especially for MAs who are single moms and not just to target them, but you know, like this is just real things that I saw were when someone doesn't have someone else to kind of fall back on, on their, their work level kind of tanks. And part of it's because, you know, when you have a child at home, you just can't leave them um, behind to take care of themselves, right? Like you're the provider and you're also the caregiver for that a child. So giving some sort of resources, I also think that would be a huge help to the staff. The first thing that popped in my mind was Disneyland. Cause just think about it, right? Yes, they have great rides. Yes, they have, they have shows, but what's the first thing people fall in love with or brings them back? It's the experience. It's how cast members treat you. And like, when I think about mm-hmm. healthcare, to get your patients to even come to their appointment, they need to feel comfortable. They need to, I mean, this comes back to what you were saying about understanding. Um, it's the experience in itself is what draws someone in. And so when we eliminate things like front desk or MAs and really just like at Disney, everyone's a cast member, right? right. Everybody's a cast member. So how you get to that level in a health center as well. So it brings people back. It keeps your patients coming in. Just never having to hoop jump, like never having the bureaucracy of you have to fill out a patient paperwork packet. You have to call and leave a message. You have to wait 78 hours to get a refill. It's like all these things that 
almost no other industry makes you do. Like I was just calling to make an, a reservation for bowling for my sister-in-law's birthday. And I was like calling a place who I couldn't get through. And so what did I do? I found another bowling alley and booked it there. And I was like, this is exactly what patients go through, which is if they can't get an answer they want, they just go somewhere else. Like my ideal clinic would just be the experience we want whenever we're buying or using anything which is just zero hoop jumping. I know that's a vague, like overgeneralization. And maybe that matches with Harpreet's like Disney experience, but you see someone right when you walk in, like I went to Chase Bank yesterday and there's always a greeter. And even though I knew exactly where to go and I didn't need any help, I was like, oh, I'm going to deposit check. She's like, great. Like Raquel and Amy can help you with that right back there. And she gave the names of the people I was going to go talk with and like I don't know, just that kind of experience. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, and that makes me think like you really want your your ideal clinic to either have pre- preferably both as like a transportation option to get in, help with childcare for both patients and staff, and to have telehealth option, right? Is like whatever is going to work best because the other thing is people don't want to take off work. Like I think it's 9% of people that haven't gotten the vaccine yet. It's because they're worried about the time off work because it's the time off work to go. But then also if you getting sick afterwards or having symptoms or whatever, then what are you going to do? Like, what was the stat? Was it nine or 90? Nine. Nine. Okay. Phew. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. People just need the support to make that kind of stuff work. I really love community health centers that have farms and, and food banks. If the health center was serving as a hub for that slash a like, Hey, if you want to learn how to grow your own basil, like, you know, we're doing that over here. That would be pretty cool. It was here in Cal- Northern California somewhere that had that community garden. They had just started and it was like for any of their patients to come and grab, they kept up with the garden and they could harvest the fruit and vegetables, which was, I thought was wonderful. You know, when you think about social determinants of health, one of the, the biggest barriers when you're telling this patient to take their insulin and eat healthy, but they are taking the insulin they're just not eating healthy. So it's like this two part type of like way to really get them from point A to point B. But some of the organizations we've worked with, and I mean, I'm thinking about like the organization I come from, we would have food trucks in the city go and have like, you know, a food bank to distribute uh, goods. And then ultimately got savvy with, you know, the SNAP benefits to provide to the patients. And and I thought that was super like awesome because coming in from the community and some of your patients are super vulnerable and they need that extra help. But if they don't know where to start, it's hard for them to like rely on someone and say, Hey, where do I apply? And because, you know, back to your point, Amanda, it's, we'll give them a number and say, Hey, call here. And they'll call, but they won't ever get an answer. So after a while, they just like throw their hands up and say, yeah, well, screw all that. You know, I'm just going to continue what I'm doing and I'll see you guys in the next six months. But then, you know, where does their health go? You know, I go to this huge farmer's market um, in my city. Why not host a farmer's market at the clinic in the parking lot on like a Saturday or something? Just about the understanding piece, because then I'm also thinking about language barriers in an ideal clinic. Every patient, regardless of the language they speak, would come in and absolutely understand what's happening with with themselves and their health. To get to that level of understanding, to reach patients, is it a make sure you have an interpreter or is it when you're hiring, you're thinking about what your needs are? People are always having trouble hiring. Why not invest in community members to make them 
the roles that you need. Like it's probably mm-hmm. going to take a while to get somebody to be a nurse practitioner or something, but you could certainly send mm-hmm. them to MA school. You could send them to nursing school. It's an investment, but you can also get that back and decrease turnover costs over time. The people that are going to advocate for your patients the most are the ones that come from their perspective. Knowing and understanding your patients and helping them walk through the system, the healthcare system that sometimes is so cumbersome, you know, it and it's harder patients to get certain appointments, but if you can help navigate them, I mean, someone that comes from the community, because you, you've you experienced that, you know, your mom has experienced that, someone from your family has experienced that, really sets the tone on how you should be seeing your community. It's not just a patient, right? It's someone's mother, it's someone's father, uh, grandmother. So advocating for them, I do think that's a different tone. It sets you apart from the, the rest of, you know, your, your competition, because you have staff that care. You know, we've always talked about we got into healthcare because we want to help our patients but then when we're in healthcare because it's so it's so siloed you know sometimes it's very frustrating you forget that and you forget why you actually joined or went into healthcare so you know I thought that resonated with me yeah no Kate I totally as you were just saying that I think about some friends I have in healthcare right now who are not enjoying it and it is absolutely because they're walking around with this burden of like the patient's care is up to me alone. And I mean, that it speaks to what you said about silos. And then also the like power of care teams and the impact that has, that it's not on just one single person. That's one thing I keep thinking about with an ideal clinic is how would you staff it? I mean, like literally how would you go and hire people? And I feel like I would go around the community and identify people who are either I know or working in other jobs where you see them at work and be like, you would be awesome at the front of the house, or you would be amazing as a medical assistant. Do you have any interest in doing that? Could you come interview for the job? Like how many times have we gone on a rapid DPI where, you know, like oomph or like energy is lacking in the back. And then you, we go out for dinner and there's like this amazing server and we're like, have you ever thought about working at your community health center? Cause you would be amazing with patients. Like that's what I would do for some of the roles, you know, try to recruit from people you've experienced that are amazing who are already in healthcare or go to people you've interacted with outside of healthcare and be like you, you should be in our clinic. It's when I was a health center manager, I knew my patients, like, you know, the families, and it's funny enough that you mentioned that because some of the, the positions that were open were being applied, but not like online, right? Because, you know, there's a process, you fill out your, your application online, you send your resume, and then HR reviews it, sends it to, you know, the managers, whatever that case might look like, uh, you know, to each organization. But I remember having a mom ask me, she's like, hey, you're the manager, right? I was like, yeah, yeah how can I help you? And she, she's like, do you have any positions open? I was like, actually, funny enough, I'm going to have a front desk position open. She's like, my daughter's looking for, for um, you know, a job. We've been coming here for years. I was like, yeah, I know, know you guys completely. So she brought me her resume. I mean, I hired her and it's not because she was a patient, but, you know, she fit the description. She fit the, the community needs. And it was like, and she's, she's been a great fit there. What are the, the needs of your community and who can meet them? And it's mostly the people from the community. So just really being out there and being proactive and, you know, being diligent of who needs what and and what needs to be done for your community. I think that's super spot on. And, you know, those are going to be your patient advocates. So 
I want you to imagine we're a DPI team. We just had our first work session. I think we came up with some great brainstorming things. We have the entire clinic to ourselves this Saturday and we get to run a rapid redesign test. So for those that don't know what a rapid redesign test amongst our listeners is that it's similar to a PDSA is we're going to run a basically a four hour session where we're going to see patients however the heck we want to, as long as we're not going to hurt anybody. The difference between a PDSA and an RRT or a rapid redesign test is really that we encourage folks to test multiple things at once instead of just one thing, because that's whenever you tend to get the best results is whenever you, you really redesign the whole process. What would be on your list for our RRT on Saturday? I would want to test doing complete registration before the patient even walks in and them just calling to say we're here and someone coming out and being like, great, I'm going to escort you to the exam room and get you all set up. And then that person would like do my vitals and talk to me. And just like, if I need a signature, I have a digital signature pad right there and be like, I already reviewed the answers you put on this pre-registration form that you did online in our portal. And I just want to let you know, you, you call me if you have any questions after this. And it's like the whole thing soup to nuts when you walk in and then, you know, then the provider would come in. So two things popped up. One was the pre-registration piece. The other piece having every time the provider enters the room, the first thing they say is, Hey, my MA tells me this is what brings you in. Like being really intentional with that. And if I think about my own patient experience, I go to many doctor's appointments with my parents and the amount of times we have to repeat ourselves. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is where the time goes. This is where the time suck is. And this is why I'm like, where else can we go? You know what would be so cool? <laughs> no, sorry. Is yeah. like tell patients you're doing that, that initiative of we we strive to never have you repeat yourself unless yes. it's, it's expanding yeah. on it. Here's a bell. If you repeat yourself, you ring it. Or I here's like, that. you know, I like make it. it an initiative. If you hear bells ringing, that is not good. Can we yeah. bring a bell to our next rapid DPI? Totally. Yes. That would be cool. I think it's, it's really understanding the patient, right? Like if, if you want to do a re- rapid redesign test, it's like, who needs to be there? Just like a, the patient care team huddles. We're always so intentional of who needs to be part of these huddles and bring these patients to life. I would do the exact same thing, but be super intentional of like, Hey, do we have anyone that we can connect this patient if they're having some food insecurities? Okay, if there's needs to be some transportation issues, who do we connect them with? Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing those really intentional resources over deliver to your patients. Ultimately, you wanted to make just like the Disney experience that you use, pre- that's how your patients should always feel. Uh, coming into your health center, knowing that they they can count on you to have their back, not only for transportation or food insecurities, but really, but for healthcare overall. And how do we improve on their, you know, uh, quality metrics? And I think what I would want to test is a different way of collecting true patient feedback at the end of the visit. I almost like I'm picturing as Gabe was just sharing, I'm picturing like a patient walking in and I go to a patient, hey, we're trying something new. Just look around this waiting room, right? Let's just imagine at this time we still have the waiting room or even an exam room. What's the thing that bothers you about this? You know what I mean? They're going to know the best. Like I never make eye contact with my provider or I feel like they're not really hearing. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's the the setup, whatever it is, but having them weigh in on your rapid redesign test in that moment versus just like, hey, can you leave us a comment on the way out? 
I kind of want to see patients at like the local grocery store or at the dollar store, like wherever is the place where people get food mm-hmm. and that we could have like a little bit of space. Cause you really just need one room. If you don't have a waiting room, you're talking about one mm-hmm. provider, or a small test, right? Most grocery stores have pharmacies in them. There's a potential we could do it there. I'd have to think about how you schedule people. And maybe it's that it's a walk-in clinic in that sense. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the, then the other thought that I had is if you were seeing folks in the clinic or via telehealth is like, part of me would want to, my administration would come and find me probably, but I would want to like give them a Uber or Lyft pass or something and mm-hmm. say like, one is, you know, we're, this is like a real concierge experience. You use this, um, we'll, we'll schedule the Uber for you to come here. Do you need to stop by the grocery store or anything afterwards? We'll send you to the grocery store and then back to your house. Right. Mm-hmm. So that you can you can follow your provider's advice or something wild like that. This is leave it to Adrian. This is like, you know, like if I'm drawing a box right now, which I know you guys can't see, like Adrian's just like, you know, like <laughs> pushing out that box. No, no, no. We're going out, which I, I was thinking initially, I was about to ask you guys about mobile clinics and what your idea was on that. But I think Adrian just surpassed that of like, let's use existing infrastructure and just go to them and set up, like bring our caddy with our stuff and our blood pressure cuff and like the things we absolutely need in our computer that is VPN access and we can chart, but like, what, what do we really need? We need a private space. And if you did it at a walk-in clinic and let's just say the demand is high and there's only one provider, you have tablets available so that you can start doing telehealth visits, right? You connect no show back at the health center um, or has a walk-in spot or whatever that is. And so that's how you kind of decrease your missed opportunities and meet that demand. And if you had a mobile clinic like that, then you could do it at a bunch of different places. Cause like you could do it in the basement of a church on Sundays and yeah. see as many patients as you possibly can. You could do it at grocery stores. You can do it at concert venues. I don't know. What do people do? It's COVID, well, and, so I don't know. And now I want to bring like a dentist or a hygienist yeah. or someone who's going to do like a quick look at your mouth too. Cause scheduling those two things separate means, you, you know, yeah. you know, as well as I do, like people push off going to the dentist. So if you already gra- grab someone at the church basement, like why not have someone check out your teeth and be like, mm-hmm. uh Oh, you know, or you're looking good. Just keep rushing or whatever it is. <laughs> Now I would just add on to like bring immunizations, right? If you're going to see yeah. family with kids and all you need really is your, your thermometer, right. your data logger, something to keep them cold, whether it be a small fridge or not, really just why not take vaccines with you if you're already going to see patients mobily? So mm, love that. So I think that my ideal clinic then is a mobile clinic that has a dental chair and has a, an exam room. And then you have like some place to stop back and resupply that has like your main supply of vaccines, your main supply of meds, like all that kind of stuff. And then you just bring everybody with you and you see everybody. I still think you could schedule visits because we'd want to prep because I totally agree with your prep, Amanda, is like you'd want to like go to like a homeless shelter or something like that, but let them know in advance. And, you know, we have this many slots. I don't even know if I tell them I have this many slots. Like, I think I just leave it totally open, but I want to know like who wants to be seen or something. Would you also have a bricks and mortar site in addition to it? Or would you just go mobile and do telehealth? I think eventually you'd have a bricks and mortar. I think Mm -hmm. where I would start though, is you got to figure out where your patients actually are. Cause I think that informs where you build a, a brick and mortar site, or maybe it's that we have, instead of one main location, we have five small locations around. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a very half-baked thought, but you guys can build off of it. No, I mean, it makes me think, I mean, Amanda and I were just in Northern California, way up North in a very rural part where there weren't a lot of specialty services. And so just like thinking about the mobile clinic, I remember sitting there and just 
I was talking to one patient, especially who's like, I have to drive four or four and a half hours to go see my, my specialist. And just thinking about how you can get somebody up, like bring the specialist in, even if it was like, let's set them up with a room for a couple of nights and I'm see patients over like, maybe it's a week or something. I don't know, because or even a telehealth, if you had a certain number of telehealth visits in your mobile clinic that you could use for the dermatologist and the cardiologist and all that right. kind of stuff. And uh, just adding on to that, this is like a totally another department, but I was just thinking like, at first my, my train of thought was, oh, we need a bricks and mortar site to put like the call center. And then I was quickly like, no, we don't let's, let's advertise call center positions, which is historically like not a position most people want to get as you get to work from home and be remote and we'll give you the computer and the private space and like set up remote call centers for people taking calls in their homes, just like many other call centers are doing. And then it would be a more appealing job to get people from the community who'd be like, that would be awesome to work from home and answer right. calls for the health center. Well, and just that you mentioned that, I, Amanda, it just made me think when you call someone from like Apple, for example, right? Like they work from home, whoever you're speaking to in the support system or support group, they're working from home to troubleshoot your phone, things like that. And you know, I, that's a totally completely different industry. But the fact that they could work from home, it's very appealing even for a call center. You just call centers are, are meant to just take calls, schedule appointments, help a patient. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be on a site. Like they could work from home as long as they have the technology. It's the call center piece. I also like just wrapped up working with a team out um, on the East Coast up in Rhode Island where they're testing the call center person in the pod. And then they, that gal that they tested, her job satisfaction went up mm. felt more connected to a team. So mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like a balance. It seemed to really work for them. The testing hadn't really implemented it phase, but it was just their next step. They were going. I love that giving them the choice or like a hybrid option, which is kind of what I'm doing right now, where I'm like three days in and two days uh-huh. remote. And then it's like, you are getting those touch points, but you get to be home and realize the benefits of that. I love that idea. And then one final thought is when you guys find this clinic, we've been you know dreaming up, let me know. I'm going to transfer my parents' care over there and mine. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, and to our listeners, uh, you can always check us out at colemanassociates.com. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so that you get all the new episodes because you don't want to miss out on that. Special thanks to Jonathan for all of his podcasting help. And we'll see you next time.